0: It is 7.06. Uh, yeah, we are ready to uh, to rock and roll schools here. Lior also uh, on board on the flagship show, the Employment Law Show. And we'll get to lots of stuff uh, this evening, including can my employer do this, dot, 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 dot. Some of those talking points are on the way. We'll get to your emails, of course. And we're going to get into uh, a little something we call a pocket employment lawyer as well. So we'll get to that. And first of the week that was, how are you, pal?
1: Hey John, uh, all all good here on my end, uh, it's, uh, it's great t- to be back, great to be talking about employment law and hopefully we can be kept busy by our callers with lots of questions, a lot of information to, uh, to give out. So if you're working or wanting to uh, solve a workplace problem, maybe your boss uh, walked into the office today in a bad mood and did something or said something and you want to know, wait a second, is that right? Can they do that? No need to wonder anymore. I'll tell you exactly if it's right, if it's not, and what to do about it. Uh, all your workplace issues, all your workplace problems, no bad questions. Some of you may want to just uh, speak to me privately. Not a problem, no issue. We'll give you my contact information throughout the show. You can call me, you can email me, and we can, we can connect that way. Uh, pleasure to do that with you. But week that was. couple of situations that I dealt with over the past few days. Uh, first one I'll tell you about. Uh, involved a gentleman who had called me. He had uh, worked for for the same employer for eight years, but over the last five of those years, the company was accommodating some family responsibilities that he had, and they were doing that by allowing him to work his full-time hours over four days. Mm. So instead of five days, he was working full-time hours over four days, just longer days. Uh, They were helping him out because he he was uh, a single dad. He had some family responsibilities and he needed some flexibility on that fifth day. Uh, So everything was good. He was very appreciative of that. Well, he was called into a meeting and was told, uh, we decided we need you here for the full five days. Same amount of hours, just you need to come here five days a week and we're gonna make that change uh, beginning of the year. So he he was upset and he said, is there anything I could do? I, I, it doesn't work for me, it doesn't fit with my, my obligations. He said, sorry, we've been doing this for, for, for a long time, we've helped you out, but now it's time to kind of go back to, right. to the way we want things to be. So he called me and he wanted to know, is this right, is this legal, is this uh, appropriate? Well, here's the thing, John, let's be clear that uh the company was doing the right thing over these uh, the past four or five years they were accommodating him that was good of them to do they were a good employer in doing that Mm -hmm. but the fact that they were a good employer doesn't mean now they can stop that first of all if even if you forget about the child care obligations for a second they're changing the terms of his employment now over the past few years it's been established that he works four days a week now they can't go back to the way things were they don't have a right to unilaterally say we're going to go back to the way you used to work five years ago now you're going to work five days a week that is a constructive dismissal even though he started working off that way they changed the terms of employment they cannot go back the second aspect of this is, remember, he has child care responsibilities. Yeah, right. So because of that, they have to accommodate him, even apart from everything else. So they can't say, well, now it's been too long. We've accommodated you enough. We don't want to do it anymore. Now that's a human rights violation potentially as well. So no, I'm going to reach out to this company. I'm going to hopefully make them realize that they can't do that because this gentleman wants to continue working there he's had a, a you know eight years there he likes the place overall so i'm gonna hopefully get the company to understand that they can't be doing that but ultimately if they refuse i'm gonna have to pursue this on his behalf as a constructive dismissal as a human rights violation so remember if you're out there your employer if your employer is helping you out and now you have an, a new perk that you didn't have before, they can't necessarily take that perk away. They can't necessarily say, now we don't want to give it to you anymore. Right. If they do, that could be, John, a constructive dismissal. Richard, thank you for hanging on. Good evening.
2: Good evening, John. It is such a pleasure to listen to you every time you're on the air, and I wish to God that people would tune in more to listen to you, what you have to say. You know
0: oh, what? Thanks, man. Thank you so much. What's, uh, what's your concern, pal?
2: Um, I WANT TO SPEAK TO YOU ABOUT SOMETHING WHERE uh, A COMPANY WHERE I'VE WORKED FOR TEN YEARS. Uh, ONCE AGAIN, uh, THEY WANTED DECIDED TO FORM A UNION. AND I'M TRYING TO EXPLAIN TO THEM ABOUT THE PROS AND CONS, BUT IT'S LIKE YOU ARE TALKING TO A BRICK WALL WHERE THEY DON'T UNDERSTAND THE UNION DOES NOT PROTECT YOU WITH EVERY SINGLE ASPECT OF THE COMPANY. THEY ONLY PROTECT YOU WITH CERTAIN THINGS LIKE the, uh, YOUR WAGE, PERHAPS, YOUR BENEFITS, harassment with management, but there is a certain point where I'm sure there are loopholes where a company can say, well, you want a union, but fine. We also have the right to change a few things, too, that the union cannot protect you from. Am I not correct?
1: You're absolutely right. And, And, you know, without getting political, there's certainly pros and cons to being unionized, not even a question. To me, the biggest con, okay, is the fact that you as the employee have no control at all, at all about the terms of your employment. Number one, those terms are negotiated by the union for you. Not just wages, uh, you know, hours of work, how the shifts are gonna be uh, scheduled, everything. How overtime is gonna happen. All that is negotiated for you. So you have no option to, uh, to, to do anything about it. The collective agreement also is gonna give employers often rights that they wouldn't otherwise have to make certain changes that they wouldn't otherwise have. And probably to me, the biggest con is the fact that if there's ever a workplace problem, if your employer does something to you, breaches the terms of employment, doesn't treat you properly, you're 100% uh, dependent on the union to pursue that for you. So if the union kind of doesn't want to because they have bigger fish to fry or they don't do a good job of it, you're stuck you have no recourse so i think that's a problem uh that's my opinion in terms of how you educate people you know i I think that uh people are uh, believe what they believe probably people believe whatever they believe for many many years you're probably not going to be able to change too many minds but you know if you're asking me uh you know i i I have some concerns with being unionized there's certainly pros there's job security that you wouldn't otherwise have but uh if, if there is ever a problem you better hope that the union does what uh, what it's supposed to.
3: Is it possible, sir, that I can
2: uh, email you? And if it's uh, what I'm, what I want to do is be able to get a list of not just the pros but also the cons that are not mentioned. But mm. once the union has been put in, then the company can all of a sudden do a total of one, 180 on them for certain things. I want to be able to see about the cons that you have experienced of what has happened to employees who decide to go union.
1: Happy to talk to you about that and give you my thoughts in a more detailed way. Reach out to me, shoot me an email, and, and happy to help out. Richard,
0: appreciate the uh, the call and the compliments as well, brother. And uh, that email is help at employmentlawyer.ca. Again, help at employmentlawyer.ca. And Lior's number at the firm, one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred 855 821 Works uh, smashingly well. Uh, Steve, thanks for hanging on. Good evening.
4: No problem. How are you guys doing?
0: Good, pal. What's uh, What's up with you?
4: All right, so uh, about a year and a half ago, I started working for a courier company, um, business to business courier, using my own vehicle. I did that for about a year, Um, was always considered an employee. They always considered me an employee. And then about uh, 95 days ago, they said, hey, you're doing a great job on the street. Uh, Why don't you come in and be a dispatcher, work in the office? So I took them up on that. It's a bit of a raise, making about 50 a year. And then... uh, The office staff was given a one-week's notice, five working days that the company was sold, and uh, in one week's time, um, you're out of a job. Just like that. And no record of employment. Refused to give any records of employment and no severance.
1: So uh, I take it the company was sold, but the new company did not take you on? Mm -hmm.
4: That is correct. Uh, we were. I was told specifically in the meeting that uh, I got with the owner that uh, they didn't have any need for dispatchers, which I was trained uh. for and did a great job at for three months, and that uh, they just like that. They just didn't need any dispatchers.
1: Wow. Okay. Well, obviously, I think you know already because that's why you're calling that that's completely and utterly wrong. Obviously, you're owed severance. You just lost your job. It's not uncommon to lose your job as a result of a sale of a business, happens all the time, but of course you're owed your full severance and after three years as a courier, Steve, how old are you? I'm 54. So actually, you were a dispatcher, not even a courier more, more recently. You're probably looking at five, potentially as much as six months' pay, months, not weeks, five to six months of pain now that obviously you need to get a record of employment so that you can apply for ei you could potentially get a year's worth of ei so the bad news is that they're completely wrong and 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 what they've done is illegal the good news is that's not difficult to fix it's not difficult to resolve so i want you to reach out to me as soon as you can let's speak about this let me help you a letter potentially could do this if we have to take legal action we will we probably won't even need to let me help you out here, okay?
4: Yeah, absolutely. And I've given the uh, uh, your producer there my name and number, so Perfect. you have my information. You can reach out to me, or, and I will do that as well. The or just a, a last question. Sure. In terms of in terms of an employer not issuing a record of employment, like I've been around a long time, they have to do that. I was able to apply for EI because they have a provision oh, in the oh, application that says that uh, the employer didn't give you an uh, your ROE. So. But still, I'm probably not going to get employment insurance because I have no record of employment. How is that enforceable?
1: Uh, Don't worry. We can take legal action against them if they refuse. They absolutely will. The moment I get involved, they're going to retain a lawyer who's going to tell them, guess what? You have to do it. So that's not going to be a problem. We deal with that all the time. Uh, Let me do what I do and, and get this resolved for you.
0: Love you guys. I'll be in touch for Thanks, man. Thanks, Steve. Steve, nicely done, pal. Smart move making that phone call, and it is 1-855-821-5900. That is the number to get a hold of Lior. And uh, the email is help at employmentlawyer.ca uh, as well. Love it, man. Employment Law Show continues right here on Global News Radio. Hey, Bill, good evening. Good day. How are you, gentlemen, today? G- good, Pally. What's uh, what's going on? I work for
5: a trucking company. I'm an, Z- I'm an Asian driver across the border. Now, our company has all of a sudden decided they want to have put up a work schedule for weekend work. So you have to be on call,
2: which if you don't get
5: called, you don't get paid, right? So, and because we cross the border, we are federally regulated. Now, what labor, like, because of there's provincial laws regarding on call, overtime, and all that, what, what supersedes? Does federally supersede provincially?
1: So, so it's ne- it's never a question of super, uh, what supersedes. It's a question of which one applies. It's either one or the other. And for your situation, because you're 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 cross uh, border, then you are federally regulated. So federal employment laws uh, apply to you. Now, that that applies to things such as overtime and hours of work, uh, you know, and, and, and vacation and those types of things. When it comes to severance, it's the same laws across the country. It uh, doesn't matter if it's federal or provincial. But for you, when it, when it comes to th- those schedules, it is federal laws that apply, and and it does seem like uh, what the company is doing not maybe w- won't make you happy, but it is legal. But okay, I'm, we're allowed to, we're allowed 70
5: hours a week. Well, that that's it. So if I get back on Friday night and I got 64, I really can't work because it's you would have to have a minimum reset of 36 hours. That's right. It's just, it's, a, it's the way it is, it's just, so I'm just kind of like, it's, you know, I'm just kind of concerned if, you know, if they're gonna force us to kind of like, you know, go over our hours, but we can't because if we can talk, it's, you
1: know. Well, that that's a good point, and I have seen companies that, that, that do put pressure on, on the drivers to go beyond the hours don't do it okay it's not because you know you're going to get dinged you know that and a company is not allowed to require to do something illegal just by asking you to do something that's otherwise illegal that could be a constructive dismissal so you know that i don't need to tell you if they're asking you to do something illegal and go over your your allowed hours the answer should be absolutely not
5: okay i got your number so if there's any other other things that happening i'll be um, you know so okay thanks bill you gentlemen have a great night
0: hey uh cliff how are you thanks for hanging on
5: oh
6: hey thanks hey uh maybe bear with me a second here basically what i gotta say is leo like lear said that he doesn't like the unions because of the reasons that they, they they have to dictate and pretty well stick up for you right now i'm just curious has there ever been a charter um you know issue with this because according to 2d as a charter i clearly have freedom of association and the whole reason of a charter is one to protect individual rights against to the mob so and then, and then on top of that if you already have a contract with the company that's these the union people are trying to to become a unionized then how come they can usurp that contract that you already have written
1: so first of all the charter doesn't really apply in this situation all that charter means is that the government cannot issue laws preventing you from unionizing okay but it doesn't really apply it's between you and, and the company. Uh, when Whenever the, the, you become unionized, the collective agreement takes effect. It's like your previous employment agreement doesn't apply, doesn't exist. And like I said, I there there are good things about it. I'm not saying that they are not. they are absolutely good things, and, and that's why a lot of people choose to do that. But we simply cannot forget that there's also negative aspects to it. I'm not telling you one is better than the other. I'm really not. I'm just kind of opening people's eyes to see both sides of it
6: no i totally understand that but again they're bridging the, the 2d of the constitution by making me go with mob rule and that's that's not fair because think about it it's about individual rights and if i mm-hmm. if i choose not to be with those individuals and they choose to be something else that's up to them tell me how this law gets to abridge my rights that's why i'm well, asking, well, a, well in the it, charter it, challenge one more thing sorry leo one more yeah. thing there's, and it's also it's never gone through the um, the notwithstanding clause because it's not written in the
5: act.
1: Yeah, well, it, th- there hasn't been any charter challenges to the the fact that the laws allow uh, unionization. In fact, I would say the other way is it, the fact that they allow unionization is because of of uh, the, uh, of the charter. So you know, it is that's the laws, and an employee obviously doesn't have to accept a job that's unionized. They can leave the job. If you are an employee that's not unionized and it does become unionized, you may may even be able to treat that change as a constructive dismissal. Hmm. So there are things you could do if you don't want to be part of a union.
0: Wes, thanks for hanging on. Good evening. How are you? Good. Thanks so
3: much for taking my call. You bet. uh, Yeah, I've been just listening to you guys for quite a long time now. And um, my question is, is I'm a small uh, business owner, contractor, uh, building homes and stuff like that. And I'm at the point where I'm looking to hire one or two guys um, just because demand is so high. My question is, is that if work within, say, a year, two years, dries up, and I'm unable to hold these guys, um, and I should say, listen, sorry, guys, time to pack it in for a little while, is that considered a constructive dismissal, and am I, uh, do I have to pay them severance? Because, I mean, based on again listen to you and explain how many months are owed and stuff like that I mean that could bury that would probably bury the company
1: right now West that, that would not be a constructive dismissal that would be a regular dismissal obviously if you can't keep them if, you, if they're out of a job that that's simply a, a termination that's a, reg, a regular dismissal so yes you would absolutely have to pay severance and, and you know we've talked about how many months it is but there's a very very simple solution uh, and, and so many employers, especially in the construction industry, don't do that. And that is when you hire them, have them sign an employment agreement that stipulates what they would get, if anything, when you let them go. Now, because you're in construction, you're allowed to have them sign a contract that, say, that says that if and when I let you go, I'm not going to have to pay you anything. Now, employers that are not in construction can't actually use the, that language. You can, so as long as you have them sign an employment agreement that has the proper words, a year, two years, ten years later, if you let them go, you're not going to have to pay anything. So that's the solution. But if you don't do that, if you simply say, "Hey, Bob, I want you to start working for me," and he does, and a year later you got to let him go, you're going to have to pay him a few months' pay. If okay. you If you decide to do what I said and have an employment agreement, give me a call. Let me prepare one for you. Once you have that one template, you can use it again and again. You don't have to reinvent the wheel every time. But my advice to you as an employer is do not hire anyone, full-time, part-time, senior or junior, without an employment agreement.
3: Okay. Awesome.
1: Right. Thanks, Wes. Appreciate that. Leor's
0: basically offering you the uh, the employment Trojan is what it is. got to protect yourself, man, going in for sure, because
1: like you said, you could be on the hook for a lot of severance if he doesn't, right? That's it. And and as long as he does it with an employment agreement, then he can do what he needs to do. But if he doesn't, then yeah, he's going to have significant exposure, no doubt. Jason, thanks for hanging on. Hey, how are you? Good, pal. So what's, uh, what's on
0: your mind?
7: I wanted to ask what the, um, the parameters are with the company relocation. So at what point mm. in time would it become considered constructive dismissal? Is it based on distance, um, commute, all of that stuff? So good question. My company, yeah, my company is going to relocate, and essentially, my mm. commute, my drive, my kilometers have double will, will double. So it'll pretty much cost me to keep going to the new place. So I'm just wondering what the uh, laws and regulations are around
1: that. That's a great question, Jason. So so ultimately, it comes down to the impact on you. So kilometers doubling in and of itself is not constructive dismissal let me give you an example if your drive used to be three kilometers and now it's six kilometers that's double but because it's still not going to have a big impact on you that's not a constructive dismissal but if we're talking about you know instead of 50 it's going to be 100 my my general rule is is to focus on time as opposed to kilometers if we're essentially adding another hour a day uh then uh, you know we're talking about half hour each week so an hour a day each day then we're in constructive dismissal territory. Okay, so it's not about the kilometers, it's about how it impacts on you. So three to six kilometers, uh, not a constructive, uh, you know, 100 to 200 kilometers, yeah, you better believe it's constructive. So if we're talking about an extra hour a day, if that's what the company is doing, you have the ability then to say, I'm not gonna accept that and treat that as a constructive dismissal and get your severance.
7: And like, what what would what is the action along those lines? Like, is there is there notice that the uh, company gives you that would eliminate anything like that, or?
1: So great question. So let's say that you're, uh, in your situation you'd be entitled to. I'm going to make it up an example. Six months' severance. Let's just say that. Well, one of the ways the company can meet their obligation is by giving you six months' notice that that change is about to happen. So uh, we're telling you now uh, Jason that 6 months from now we're going to change your change the location and your commute's going to increase. Now, in that example that I just gave, they wouldn't actually owe you uh, anything else because they would have given you sufficient notice. Now, let's say you're still owed let's say you are a 6 month uh, severance guy, but they only give you 2 months notice. Well, then they still have to pay you severance equivalent to 4 months to make up that difference. So, how long have you worked for the company, Jason? Uh, about 25 years. Hmm. So so I got to tell you that someone in your situation is not going to get less than 18 months of severance. So let's say it's 18 months. Uh, and so if they give you 18 months notice, well, arguably, they don't owe you anything. They may still owe you something, but but for simplicity, let's say that they don't owe you anything else. Uh, if they give you six months notice, they owe you 12 months. If they give you no notice, again, the the, the full 18 months is paid. How much notice are they going to give you or have they given you?
7: Well, I, I guess my third question would be, what what does notice have to look like? Is it just a verbal? Is it a offer? Is it a written notice of a move? Or
1: yeah, it, it would have to be in writing of of, and it would have to have a specific date. So it wouldn't be good enough to say at some point over the next six months we're going to change. It would have to be effective uh, March uh, the first. We're moving to this location okay. in writing with a specific date. If it's vague, if it's not in writing, arguably it doesn't count, which means they would owe you the full severance when the change actually happens. Okay, I got you. That
7: clears it up. Thank you. Okay, Jason.
1: Appreciate it, pal. You want to uh,
0: reach out further, which you probably will if things get a little closer to the time. One eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. Again, one to get a hold of Lior and the crew and help at employmentlawyer.ca. So say Jason's company here is going to move, say, okay, your number, 18 months. So he's owed eighteen months' severance. He's a twenty-five year guy. Commute is mid forties, early fifties, whatever. So they're going to shut down the shop and move it in three months. If they give him notice, that means for fifteen months he's got to
1: make that commute anyway. Well, if, if no, no, if they give him notice that the change is happening in fifteen months, means that in the meantime everything stays the same, right? Mm-hmm. So, so it means that in fifteen months the change happens, and that's fine. And then, and then right. at, at that point, he'd be owed the difference in, in severance. If they give him three months notice, then in three months, in the meantime, he continues working as he is. And if when the change happens, that's nice. when he can say, I'm out of here uh, and, and get severance. You wouldn't have to do the commute at all uh, If if he doesn't want to. He could treat that as a constructive dismissal as soon as the change in commute happens. Uh, We love this.
0: You just unveiled this recently, and man, there's a lot of work put into this sucker, but boy, is it going to be worth it. And uh, following in the brilliant footsteps of the severance pay calculator, which had about three quarters of a million hits since you released it a few years ago, the pocket employment lawyer. Yeah, that we, one out there.
1: We, we may be, uh, it's closer to 1 million users by the end of this year on the, on the severance pay calculator, wow. which is insanity. But I hope to do much better, much bigger when it comes to pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. Because when it comes to the severance pay calculator, it does one thing. It helps you determine how much severance you owed if you lost your mm-hmm. job. Like I said, hundreds of thousands of people have used it. But the pocketemploymentlawyer.ca does a lot. It not only helps you determine severance, of course but it also helps you determine if you've been constructively dismissed. Not what constructive dismissal is. It tells you in your situation, once you answer a few questions, whether you've been constructively dismissed. Whether you're an employee or an independent contractor. Whether or not the company had just cause to let you go. Whether your matter is considered a human rights violation or does it qualify as workplace harassment. If your insurance company improperly cuts you off disability and more. So it does all those things, So you simply pick the the issue that you want to look at, you answer a few questions, and it tells you in your situation what that means and what you can do about it. So guess what? If you've always wondered if you should contact an employment lawyer, you already have an employment lawyer with you, okay? You have an employment lawyer with you. If you have your smartphone, you have pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. Check it out. It's been in, in, in the making a long time, well over a year. It took us to get this thing going. Very proud of it. Uh, we're changing the way legal information is provided. Uh, so, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca, the first place you go to if you have an issue, even before you call me, even before you email me, just check out pocketemploymentlawyer.ca
0: yeah just like the severance calculator it's absolutely free of charge there's nowhere to put in a credit card or nothing there's also contact at the top and the bottom of it if you want to reach out further otherwise completely anonymous use it enjoy it and uh, move on with the knowledge in your head it's amazing what the thing does i mean it 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 literally ticks all the boxes of all the things we talk about week in week out for the past seven years on this show it's it's bizarre It's, it's
1: awesome Really I is. took the, the, the main things that I deal with. You know, the things, by the way, that the Ministry of Labor can't help you. So Correct. I, didn't pu- I didn't put in there what overtime is, what vacation, because it's easy to get that information from the Ministry of Labor, right? I wanted yeah. to deal with the things that you have to speak with a lawyer about. Constructive dismissal, independent contractor versus employee, termination for cause, and more. That's why it's there. That's what I put all the information, all the knowledge into that application. Very proud of it. So check out pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. Can
0: my employer do this? Again, this is a collection of uh, some of the uh, first questions you get when you get the phone calls from our listeners after they've heard the show and they think, you know what, I might have an issue at work or I've had an issue. Can they do this, right? That's why we got this list together.
1: It's, a, it's a, kind of the main questions that I get. Usually is, a, is kind of a, of a first question when people call me. Some of those uh, questions that I know our listeners have. So we want to talk about those questions To start with the word, can my employer do dot, dot, dot.
0: First one is this. Can my employer decide what work I do, or are there limits to what my employer can make me do?
1: Yes, there are absolute limits. Now, obviously, if you're uh, working for someone, your employer does have some discretion to make you Uh, Do certain work, but that work has to fall within your job or your job description. It has to be work that you essentially agreed to do when you accepted the job. If your employer is asking you to do a job that's not something that you agreed to do, wasn't part of the deal, it's not part of your job description or job responsibilities, then no, they don't have the ability to make you do that. And you know, the extreme example, of course, you know, it's extreme, but it makes the point. If you're the marketing director, they can't make you, uh, you know, be the janitor uh, moving <sighs> forward. Obviously, that would be considered a constructive dismissal. But many other situations where the company changes the job enough, where it's no longer your job. Even though the company is the employer, they don't have a right to do that. And if you face that situation, you may be in a constructive dismissal matter, which means you can say no, and if the company still insists and and, uh, puts you in that situation where you have no choice, you can treat that as a constructive dismissal. Now, it's more of an art than a science, so if you're not sure uh, if you've been constructively dismissed, if the change is something the company is allowed to do, you can call me you can email me now we can also go to pocketemploymentlawyer.ca
0: i love this next one this one's an absolute beauty is can my employer make me resign that's i love that i love that
1: well you know the, the words make me and resign do not actually belong in the same <laughs> sentence yeah, exactly it, it, it's not I, I you know i guess you know if i go back to my my uh high school days i guess we call that an oxymoron simply right. because a resignation by definition is something that no one is making you do. A resignation, by definition, is something that you do voluntarily. You do unilaterally. So if someone is making you resign or threatening you to resign or putting you in a situation where you have no choice but to resign, that's not something you're doing voluntarily. Therefore, in the eyes of the law, that is considered a termination. So if your company tells you you have to resign, if they tell you you don't have a choice, if they box you in in a situation where you, have, uh, you feel there's no other option but to resign, the law does not consider that to be a resignation. The law considers that a termination, and that is important because if it's considered a termination, you're owed your full severance, okay? Even though you may have said, I resign, you may have even given a letter saying, I resign. With a real resignation, there is no severance. With a, a, a forced resignation, as I call it, there is absolutely severance. If you're ever in that situation, you gotta reach out to me right away.
0: And to reach out, by the way, one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred email simple help at employment Can
1: my employer decide when I have to retire? <laughs> well this kind of flows from the first one. No. Yeah. We no longer have in this province mandatory retirement. It got eliminated 13, 14 years ago. Uh, Mandatory retirement was a situation where an employer could make you retire in some situations at the age of 65. Uh, That's gone. So your employer can never make you retire. Whether you're 65, 75, or any other age, your employer has no right to make you retire, frankly, even to suggest that you retire, to consider you to to have retired. You have a right to work as long as you want to. And and the pressure to retire is actually age discrimination. Mm -hmm. It's a human rights violation. Your employer cannot do that. And I, I know I've seen this many times over my career, where a company uh tells someone they have to retire suggest they have to retire put them puts them in a situation where they know that they're not wanted or, or welcome at work anymore if that ever happens to you remember no that can't be you can work as long as you want a lot of us now work until an older age either because we want to or for financial reasons that is absolutely fine if your employer won't let you do that or or, or thinks you're too old to do the job that you should be retiring call me. That's a human rights violation. Your employer should not get away with that, uh, and I can certainly help. You know,
0: that's true. You just have to walk into any random medical building in Toronto, look at to half the doctors that are still lurking around the office. <laughs> These
1: guys are like 90. They won't retire. They just won't do it, man. They'll, they'll, they'll be dragging them out of there uh, you know, when the time comes. You're right, but, but doctors, anyone really. And yeah. I, I've had clients that are, are in, in their late 70s and early 80s that have been working for years, good on them. If you can yep. do the job and be productive, by all means, work and, and, uh, and, and be successful. Can my employer make me come back to work contrary no contrary
0: to my doctor's opinion?
1: No, absolutely not. Your employer cannot make you come back to work in that situation. Your doctor, if you're sick, if you're unable to work, your doctor is judge and jury when it comes to that. Your employer cannot question that, cannot make you get another opinion, cannot ask you to, to tell them what condition you have. They have to follow what your doctor says. If they don't, that could be a human rights violation. That could be a termination. Uh, not right, and you should reach out to me.
0: And, uh, Mike, what's uh,
1: what's your question, pal? Um, So, uh, I worked at a
0: bar that closed at
2: the beginning of the summer um, with no notice and then it's been closed all summer none of the staff has been paid and there's about at least 40 of us that have not been paid and uh, just this week it was advertised on Facebook that the bar is reopening for a one night pop-up event with all new staff when none of the old staff has been paid yet. Uh, I was just wondering what the staff's rights might be.
1: Well, you're all obviously owed any compensation for your last day of work but you're also owed severance uh age position and length of employment are those factors as long as we have someone to go after by someone i mean a company and potentially even the owner may have personal liability in some situations then you're absolutely have rights and those rights are not difficult to pursue
2: so th- if th- this owner actually owns another bar in the city which is been operating the whole time and he's paying that staff but has not paid any of the staff from the other bar that he closed
1: right well there you go then that there's your answer we can absolutely help with that i wouldn't sit on your rights here because i don't know what's going to happen tomorrow you may leave the country go bankrupt i don't know so it's time to deal with this This is now you and your 40 colleagues let me know contact me and let me help you get what you're out will
2: do thank you very much
0: to reach out. By the way, get a hold of Leor and his crew. Don't hesitate. Sit uh, or sit on it. 1-855-821-5900 would be the uh, way to do that. Again, 1-855-821-5900 is the number. The email address is simple, help at lawyer.ca. help at lawyer.ca. And we mentioned it uh, partway through the show, and keep this one. Write it down, check it out, have a bit of fun with it, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. It will soon be your best friend. In the cyber world, anyway, pocket employment, uh, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca is what you want to check out. Till next time, it's been the Employment Law Show right here on Global News Radio.